Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 200, Aria 3 in a Clash of Kings. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. Yes, the big two hundo. Are you ready <sighs> for our 200th episode? A new era, a new era of GGC, and by that not new, we're still on our same old bullshit. Same old bullshit, same old are you ready? Our 200th Aswaf episode is exciting. Wild. You know, Wild. I was looking back, our 100th was the Kraken's daughter. So that's kind of cool. There's some parallels there. Yeah, you've been discovering a lot of things while looking at our episodes in the past recently. Like, you discovered that we did not start numbering our our episodes until, what, Jamie or so, right? Yup, our A Song of Ice and Fire episodes, we used to just release them with no ASWAF number, and we started episode titling them. And of course, shout out to our other different podcasts we upload. We are not only A Song of Ice and Fire, as I'm sure most of you have figured out. We cover things like His Dark Materials or Sailor Moon over in our Magical Girls Gone Canon, uh, Gossip Girls Gone Canon. There are a lot of cinematic spinoffs for the girlies. For us girlies, so not our 200th episode ever, but our 200th A Song of Ice and Fire episode, which I think we consider our flagship brand in podcasts, right? It's what started us off. Yeah, it's what brought you and me together as well. So I, it's just wild that we're here. And as you said, like we have other stuff that we're covering as well. And I think that's probably part of why we started numbering it in the first place, you know, to differentiate between the other series that we had started doing and honestly crazy someday it's all gonna make sense i promise there's a big master plan for everything there we is. do and how we put it out you know it's all oh, oh, that it's gonna be a canon it's all gonna make sense just keep listening there is in fact a chloe and eliana master plan for the pov <laughs> order and no, like there actually is. I think I don't think mm -hmm. that's a secret. I think if you've made it this far, if you've been with us these two hundred episodes, uh, you you know this. But also, like I think what's fun is sometimes people they might have just started joining us only for Arya, right? Like I think that's what's fun about the POV order. Sometimes people start with their favorite POV, and then they'll double back to a couple of other ones and kind of choose your own adventure. That is what I like about us, though. Like That's what I like about us. That, that's the only thing I care about. No, I'm just kidding. That's the only thing I actually like about you and me. Um, what I like about us. <laughs> you can make your order. Your podcast really knows how to boss. Uh, yeah, I think it's really fun that in the end, everyone can make their own order. You could do a couple POVs. You could do it by book. You could do it by character. You you know, we, we've done a lot of them now. We're past halfway. We're actually, oh, yeah. we're, we're past halfway. This is kind of bittersweet in a way to finally get to 200, but I think we got another couple hundred left in us. Well, actually, now that I think about it, are we, so we're probably more than halfway. We're definitely mm -hmm. more than halfway through our POVs, but because we have some of our chunkiest POVs <laughs> towards the end, like as in density, most number of chapters, I'm actually like, are we? We must be more than halfway, just like by virtue of how things work. And John had so many chapters. So many. And you look back at some of the front characters, you know, we did a lot of dual chapters. We've talked 
amongst True. ourselves and amongst the cast sometimes about going back to those and splitting them up, you know, revisiting them someday. You never know. We've changed. We want to do everything as one. This is a shorter chapter. You'll yeah. notice today. This will probably be a quick one. There'll be some fun banter, but I would be surprised if this goes longer than an hour today, friends. Buckle up, because it's a quickie. Some podcasts have even been known to triple up on Aria chapters, but I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. refuse. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Again, like, I love Aria's character, and these chapters are really fun to do one-on-one not to you know talk shade about like your roommate or anything Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but this is a fast chapter you know it's as fast as like taking a piss maybe i mean kind of you could probably read it all like in the bathroom sit yeah no absolutely i think i probably have i'm gonna be fucking honest i probably have done that my god I'm sure. What chapters do you know that you've shit through? That's an interesting question in A Song of Ice and Fire. What Write in at home chapters you've pooped to from Aeswaf. I would love to hear because I, I know I have. I just can't tell you which ones offhand. I don't remember which ones, but also like, so we don't need to go through the journey, I guess, of young Eliana. I used to spend a lot of time, you know, reading on the toilet. And I was like, what, what if I read somewhere more comfortable? So I just stopped doing that. And I think that was probably during the phase in my life when I wasn't reading things on the toilet when I first read Aswaf. Oh, come on. In case you all wanted to know. You know, you get up, you have the big red rings on your ass, and they're all indented. It's so so uncomfortable. I finished a quarter of a book. (laughs) My body can't, like, be in that position for that long anymore, you know? Like, I'm no, I am older than Catelyn Stark age now, everyone. I'm never going back. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm older than Lady Stoneheart, that old crone. Oh my god. The mother, the maiden, the crone. IRL. Here she is. Wow. Here she is. Oh my god. Rat grandmommy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because, like, she's she's never going to get any older, right? Catelyn Stark, because she's dead. (laughs) Do you still. Okay, I'm sorry. I need to I need to know and ask. I mean, obviously we're unsure about Melisandra and and her age and so forth, but like let's say for example, Beric Dondarian, right? Been alive for a longish time. We're gonna see Beric also in Arya's chapters at some point, so this is kind of on theme. If Beric has been alive or undead for over a year, do you celebrate someone's birthday? during that time in which they aren't dead do they technically gain a year right like would Beric I don't know go from what is he now like 24 25 or something he would be mm-hmm. like does he gain that year if he is not alive but is still kind of alive if he's undead it depends on the company you keep right so Beric hangs out with the brotherhood he hangs out with mommy stoneheart he hangs out with Thoros and this isn't a fucking fanfic, though I could see Thoros presenting a cake to Beric and being like, congrats, Beric, it's your birthday, and Beric being like, Thoros, no, you know I don't do that anymore now that I've been dead, blah, blah, blah. I'm the leader of this brave group of bandits. Uh, and then but Thoros then... is like pyromancing a little, <laughs> a little like birthday flame. Yeah, shaking his little booty and pyromancing, yeah. No, but you think about John, right? Like, the Starks... Sansa, Arya, Bran, even if Jon comes back from the dead, 
they're probably still likely to bake him a cake on his birthday, right? Because the people that they are and how they celebrate and hold family near and dear, which I guess is like accidentally also the theme, right? Of like, you know, being alone isolates you, pushes you away from people and the type of people you're around matter where like John can maybe be rehabilitated from being an undead asshole if he's stuck around some of his family and like is given meaning to keep living but yeah it comes back to like men's lives have meaning not their deaths right so but they are are so maybe his death does have meaning i mean it's like what matthew mcconaughey once said in the great film all right all right all right days to confuse (laughs) not that no l-i-v-i-n you better be living living Oh, I thought you were going to go with the other one in which, you know, we we keep getting older and they all stay the same age and that's how we feel about the undead. Nope, not that way either, but you know what? I like that one too. That's good job, Eliana. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Did uh, I sufficiently answer slash dodge your question enough? Yes, I think so. I think good. so. But good. I mean, here we are aging our 200th ass off episode. Every minute I'm with you, I age, babe. Oh. Exciting. Uh, real quick, welcome to our 200th episode again. Yeah, re-welcome. Re-welcome. Uh, this month for patrons in the stranger tier and above. So if you are one of our patrons, five bucks and up at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, you're going to get a bonus episode every single month from us. Sometimes it's on the worlds of GRRM. Sometimes it's on a movie, like last month's episode, which was on the 2022 Netflix film, Do Revenge. It was a blast. We had fun. Listen to it. This month is going to be a novelette from Dream Songs by George R. R. Martin. We're going to be covering Bitter Blooms, which I chose based on the name alone. And then it turns out it, it looks like there's a lot of shit that is a swathy to talk about. Uh, there's a place where winter is like many years, so vibes, vibe, vibes. It's in the Thousand Worlds universe, it looks like. So come join us this month for that $5 and up Stranger Tier bonus episode on yet another novelette from Dream Songs. Yeah, and that one's our 61st Patreon episode. Whoa! Right? So we that means we've done at least 260 episodes in total since since our inception. Oh, we've done way more than that, my friend. Way more than that. We've well, done like I'm not seventy even including his dark materials. Yeah, seventy something his dark materials episodes, I wanna say. My yeah, god, we're getting old. You were talking about the Gossip Girls Gone Canon offshoot, like one off. Honestly, every time I think about it I just get sad. I don't I'd miss just it. because I'm sad about yeah, the new Gossip Girl. And there are even some lost episodes, you know, there are some episodes that have made it, episodes that have been lost to time. Oh, I thought you meant, I was like, I don't remember talking about Lost. I've never even watched it. How can I talk about it? <laughs> not that Lost. Not that Lost. Uh, I was so confused. I was lost well, in that moment. The bonus episodes aren't lost. Catch them at our Patreon. And that's not all that you can get at our Patreon. That's right. If you're in the Thunder tier and above, the $10 tier and above, not only do you get those bonus episodes, but you get something else. Right, Eliana? You do, you get access to our Discord if you're in the Thunder tier and above, where we have fun channels where we discuss lots of interesting things, 
including, um, and we're going to actually bring in an insight that came from one of the Discord channels here in a second, but there's also once a month brunch slash happy hour, brappy hour. I, I don't know why I missed the H when I said happy hour just then. Very French of me, if Appy. you will. Um, happy, happy hour. <laughs> it's an appetizer hour. And this month, September, that will be on September 23rd, a Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. I have a blast at brunch. Last brunch was so fun. (laughs) fun. We had a blast. We were like, we were just vibing. We were watching videos, YouTube poop, you know, not actual poop, just YouTube poop. Uh, We were just watching. I mean, it all started with a video of a cat, you know, as it should. It did start with a video of a cat. It ended with some videos of cats, but then we also went to like, what? We discussed theme parks and then we discussed the, the rings that you know people walk in oh like human hamster wheels that's what it was Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. i don't know if any of you have seen the kinds that are like human hamster wheels but way more intense at a renaissance fair made everyone watch that yeah everyone at discord has so you're missing out you're missing out that's what you could get yeah well come join us you can have a blast with us and i don't know i look forward to this month's brunch it's autumn 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 always feels better. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It actually will be officially autumn, the 23rd, two days after the 21st of September. Love is I'm changing. seeing Death Cab for the Cutie lights. on the first day of autumn. Oh, really? Yeah. Where soul That's meets fun. body, baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's Hyped. cute. Yeah. Autumnal. Autumnal of me. Cute. Yeah. It'll be what? 90 the- degrees? Can't wait. Wait, is this the the tour where they're also postal doing service, the postal death service? cab, ten year reunion tour? I thought about going to that one, and I was like, hmm, I guess it's not too late. I could just invite myself over to close if it's not. Absolutely, out. you should come. You should come. Interesting. I want. I will. I want to have Ben Gibbard's miracle sweat pouring onto me from his acoustic guitar. What the fuck? Anyways, <laughs> so yeah, and that's on my social life. Hey, we got some emails slash tweets slash notes of note. Shout out to Kristen Call Mall Cop meme from the Discord from last month's brunch. Check that out on our Twitter or our Blue Sky over at Girls Gone Canon. C-A-N-O-N. We got an email from our good buddy Warren. Warren was listening to our 199th A Song of Ice and Fire reread episode and thought he spotted some mythological symbolism of the bull and the wolf in Celtic mythology. In a lot of the tales when raiders come to a village, it's cattle they steal, with most particularly an emphasis on the bull. So it seems fitting the gold cloaks are trying to steal the bull too. There are many references in stories of wolves or wolfhounds standing guard. Wolfhounds is an interesting parallel for when Arya meets Sandor later, and it makes me consider the tales of an Irish hero, Cúchulainn. There is a whole segment of Irish mythology full of stories dedicated to him and the Ulster cycle, and the most famous being his origin story, where he arrives late to a party and slays the hosts, oh god, uh, the host's hound for denying him entry. Warren notes his fake driver's license was not sufficient. I love it. Uh, But remorseful, he takes the hound's place until its master can find and train a replacement. So it kind of comes to mind with all those who wear the hound's helm, which I know Eliana has something to talk about a little bit later. So keep your ears peeled for that. Yeah, Colin's done a lot of things, I feel, in, in Irish mythology. and every. But a lot of what I think about when I hear Colin is, so I learned about a lot of Irish myths by watching 
this this play based on some of them and based on like these kids who are turned into swans really dramatic um <laughs> it was also maybe slightly a musical and so mm-hmm. i just think of cacullin 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 like in that tone in that tune and that's what i have for all of you almost like a woodpecker yeah there, there were other words to the song that i don't remember Great parallels over here, Warren. And yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Hound. And I don't know, that arrives late to a party and slays the host. Very interesting kind of reversal there, considering, you know, what happens to some of these wolves. Some of these wolves in Arya's family. And by that, I mean her brother and mother. You're like violent is today. Never aging. This is like- I've been getting more violent. I feel like every episode, I'm like, let's say another hurtful thing. <laughs> my god that's my job please don't put me out of a job here jesus fucking christ it's just Arya seeping in um so we also got a couple more emails but we are making our way through them and some of them i think will be good for next week we have something exciting to say about next week which we'll come back to but first last last week last episode you probably heard me and chloe talk a lot about beer we have a lot more thoughts about beer that we are happy to share at some other time like for example how you i was telling chloe one time when she was drinking the mango cart beer i was like you gotta try the spicy mango cart very fun but last week i was discussing how i had heard that medieval water was had alcoholic content because of you know trying to make it potable in order to kill bacteria but our friend shiloh who is a who is a scholar in medievalism and if you have not picked up Shiloh's book Medievalism in Game of Thrones in a Song of Ice and Fire please do fantastic i would i would say maybe even like necessary reading for the series I and mean, really contextualizing the way that George talks about you know or draws on elements of what we think about medieval history versus what actually is the case. But anyways, Shiloh said in our Discord in response, Fun fact, the medieval dirty water thing is a myth. They were drinking small ale with very little alcohol, but not because they couldn't drink the water, more because the ale was basically free calories and people were doing a lot more manual labor. Now, if you were in a city, you wouldn't want to drink water straight out of the river. Which is what Arya does this episode. Uh, but otherwise, they knew how to get and keep clean water. What's more worrying is that, like, Eliana spreads misinformation and I'm over here nodding along like, yeah, that's so true, Eliana. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's so interesting. I'll follow you anywhere, babe. Follow you anywhere. Thank you, Shiloh. Yeah. Thank you for correcting. Thank you, Shiloh. Somebody yes, has to. You. Somebody we, we has say. to. We just, we're out here saying shit every week, to be fair. What I love about the internet sometimes is, you know... You really can just get the right information about things. All you have to do is go out there and say the wrong thing. Someone's going to come back and tell you the right thing. And again, in this chapter, Arya does drink straight out of the river and it uh tastes like dead body. Hey. Rotting dead body. And to be fair, Shiloh says they're pretty good at getting clean water. And I mean, we live places that they're not, actually. So maybe the medieval people had it going on. I mean, they probably did, right? They didn't have pollution and the scale that we did and chemicals, etc. And, like, the stream that Arya, like, gets water out of this chapter, probably usually not full of dead bodies. Usually probably Mm -hmm. pretty clean. Yeah, it's interesting. It also makes me think of, like, when the water stops at Coldmoat, right? With uh, Donk and Rowan, only this time it's with 
bodies. Oh, that's interesting, because I was actually thinking about Daenerys' storyline, right? With the pale mare and the dysentery and how, like, uh, you end up with this huge epidemic there in Marine and probably across the slaver space cities in general, just because it is going through the water sources, so. I gotta say, too, if you've ever played Cities Skylines, highly recommend it. If you want to lose several months of your life, actually, one of your good friends recommended it to me, Eliana, (laughs) and it ruined my life. There was a Humble Bundle last summer that was like, I don't know, like 15 bucks for every fucking game that comes along with it, all the expansions, and my god... I lost months of my life, but uh, you, you get, you know, <laughs> just like medieval, what, what is medieval it? dynasty. I'm having an medieval issue where dynasty. it's like pausing on launch and it's really upsetting me. I don't even want to talk about it right now because I can't like get it open and I've come so far. Like I'm like in mid late game. I'm on year seven. Anyways, I'm really kicking ass and it looks beautiful too. So I, I took a video of my entire medieval dynasty area. I'll show it to you later. I'll send it to you. <laughs> we'll upload it on Patreon uh, for all to see. It's special content. Uh, maybe I should. But pollution is like for real in uh, City Skylines. It's a, a nice model. Actually, I was talking to I was talking to Stephen Adwell about this uh, once upon a time about this because he really enjoys the game too. And there are a lot of great city planners on YouTube that actually play the game huh. and use it as like, yeah, as like a city planning tool and to show scenarios playing huh. out because it's that detailed. And they're coming out with the second version of the game. But City Skylines like... Yo, you get pollution in the ground, you get dead people, you get all this stuff. It affects your game. You have, like, farms, your crops start going bad, your water goes bad, your entire, like, civilization just dies off. It's pretty, it's wild. Water's kind of important. And I live in a city where, kind of, you know, oftentimes we just get, like, an oops, we spilled vinyl chloride into the water supply. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That happened to you. That was... Recent. That was intense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, to live in the Riverlands as they're set aflame, but you still have some water somewhere. Okay, okay, yeah, interesting, nodding. Um, mm-hmm. And before we jump into our lightning round, one last exciting announcement for next week's episode when we return to Arya in A Clash of Kings next week. We will be joined by somebody that is so fucking close to my heart. Yes. Uh, one of the most wonderful fucking people on the internet. We'll be joined by Ara, I eat zebra, over on YouTube. You may know her from Direwolf City. She's actually been on the podcast before, way back during Unleash the D, uh, the hit premiere primer series for House of the Dragon season one. Ara joined us back then, us being me, for my my hit series. Critics are saying Unleash the D, the primer hot D series, is excellent, and you should listen. Uh uh, that's what they're saying. I thought we should put the critics, yeah, what they're yeah. saying in here. I'm, I'm nodding. Ara has been on here before. We've been on Ara's podcast. We've been over with the Direwolf City ladies, who are a blast. It's so exciting to invite her into our house to talk about Arya. And, you know, it's been a really long time coming. At the very front of when we started this podcast, uh, the first few years, you know, we were constantly telling people, hey, what's your favorite chapter ever, all time, favorite POV, favorite chapter, because we want, you know, the people to come on to be passionate about what they love. And Ara has been waiting a very long time for Arya. <laughs> yes. A very long time. <laughs> yeah. And I I mean, like, I I just love talking about things with Ara in general. She's so smart, so fun, and she has, like, so much knowledge about medieval dynasties. Not the game, 
<laughs> but history. like she does and i'm like what the fuck who is this person what are you talking about yeah. she knows all of these things and so you know we're gonna talk a little bit about i guess not medieval dynasties next next chapter but fake medieval dynasties yeah we've joined ara to dis- you've joined ara to discuss euphoria i came on and i special guested and also with about righteous gemstones beyond a bunch of other things yeah, and they've had us on for so many other things. They're always fucking inviting us to do stuff. I highly recommend checking out their streams, checking out their episodes, and yeah, I'm excited to have Ara on. Me too. I'm I'm very excited. Look forward to that. And for now, let's hop into our lightning round for what you missed between Arya 2 and Arya 3 in A Clash of Kings. John 1. J.R. Mormont talks to John about duty and John decides to keep his vows. Catalan 1. Rob presents peace terms to Cleos Frey. Catalan and Brynden plan an alliance with Renly Baratheon. Lol. Tyrion 2. With the ever-deteriorating state of the Night's Watch, Tyrion sends a very certain asshole to the Watch to live out the rest of his life, however short it may be. (laughs) And that brings us here to... Arya 3, in A Clash Kings. The Riverlands are becoming desolate already. Arya meets a wolf while making water. They walk so. a narrow and crooked path in the Riverlands, though on gentle land, just two ruts in the weed and traffic's calmed. So they mostly have lost the trail of the gold cloaks for now. Yeah, there's some fun language going on here, like the road kind of snakes around, becomes small roads, and there's even a line here where it says seeming to vanish entirely, only to reappear half a league farther on when they had all but given up hope. And I'm kind of like, oh, is that kind of like Arya's storyline, right? Where it seems that she's vanished from everyone's radar for a while, only to reappear probably later on. And they're all like, wow, it's Arya Stark. And I also like some of this language about how the people are more sparse now because as we know there was like a huge bunch of them over when they were leaving the city and it's they describe it as like a the people going to king's landing as like a flood slowing to a trickle and there's something about it that really just stands out to me it's like this feeling of the language of disaster natural disaster but obviously this is not natural this is man-made yeah that language is so great there's like this line of it being like a human flood Right, and it's very horrifying. Uh, it, it it gives me that visual likeness to the others flooding over in a war, or like when men are unleashed, a sea of men unleashed during battle, and like you just see the tide coming at you. Um, yeah, a human flood, a human flood. I've heard, I've heard also. I don't know what if we'll see any mobs of this scale, but that mobs like tend to actually move like a fluid, like with waves and so forth. So there's something about that. And also, I mean, dead things in the water. Not to be a weirdo, but I love visualizing like the movement of not just like actual story, but storytelling too. And like, you can literally, if you close your eyes and think of a mob and think of tensions in the Riverlands, you can see it visually in your head of those waves that you're speaking of. So I like that. I like that a lot. Good job, George. The wagons slow them down, and they stop at least a dozen times daily to fix a stuck wheel or climb a muddy slope. They'd even gotten to a part of the road that was very much one way, and they had to wait out the other wagons. Arya can't help but be wary, looking over her shoulder, wondering when they'll be caught by the gold cloaks, and keeps her sword closer at night. They put out sentries at night when they're camped, but 
Arya doesn't trust the orphan boys. She can sneak past them at night so as to make water in the woods. And the way that Arya is unable to sleep and constantly feels like they're being followed, they're chased by the gold cloaks and on watch. Part of it is, of course, I mean, Yorin has told them this is what is happening and a very real danger, which is true, as we'll see. But it also makes me think a little bit of what life must have been like, especially for Viserys early on when they've just been kind of exiled from from Dragonstone and then later on when they're kicked out of the house with the red door. I mean, like, constantly feeling like you're being chased and hunted and he's just a kid, you know? Probably about Arya's age, maybe a little bit older and has to look out for someone else, not just himself. Like, did he have that same paranoia? Like, having to live like that, I think, no wonder. That would absolutely break someone. I like what you've pointed out here, especially because I feel like there are a lot of those moments where and we've talked about this, that, like, the Targaryen madness is, like, a lot of times born out of necessity and survival for some of these Targs that we've seen. Like, there are events that tip them over, traumatic events that, you know, maybe you don't come back from as a human, which I think is a lot of the themes that we get to work with in Arya's chapter. Like, how long until you don't get to come back from something? Yeah, yeah I think, you know, I like what you said there because it, it ties it back with there's there's the different ends of the spectrum, right? With the broken man stuff. And then also some of Targaryen madness. I, I don't think it's, like, genetic. I think it's just a power thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. we see it with Joffrey. That's not genetic. That's just power and the isolation of it can drive you mad. And same mm -hmm. with um the isolation of, like, war trauma or any kind of trauma like that. Yeah, you think of, like, even outside of A Song of Ice and Fire, look at Paul Atreides, right, in Dune, for example, or, mm. like, other characters like that that have these high pressures put upon them since even before birth, right? You have a small percentage of people that are constantly facing these tensions and pressures, and a, a large percentage of them almost always break. What what could it mean? Yeah. What could it Especially mean? At such a young age, too, when you think mm -hmm. about what Viserys was I mean, Viserys was an asshole and abusive. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the story, especially in Danny's last chapter, is I think trying to get you to just think of him as like a human or like trying to humanize him and be like, this is how someone gets to that point, you know? Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. And I think it's a similar thing as how you and I sometimes can sympathetically look at Joffrey, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Joffrey for yep. his absent parents that were there causing issues. And if they had been more absent, beating him almost yeah. to death too. Yeah. yeah, if they had been more absent, uh, and then you have the opposite of complete absent family, and at the same time, the family when he was there. Yeah, I mean Viserys. I I don't know why we're all on Viserys now, but he saw his. Uh, it's all your fault, his, really. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, so, absolutely. Something in this little chapter, it's funny because you went for the sad shit and I, I'm i just watching it and Arya's like swinging from tree to tree, you know, uh, to get out to go to the bathroom. She swings from tree to tree and shimmies and then she's like above Lamy's head and she's thinking about it too. She's like, I could drop down and fuck his world up right now. Just really fuck with him. <laughs> wake his ass up. She's like, ooh, the whole camp would wake up from his yelling and wolves and Yorn would be mad. Not worth it. Uh, really funny, but also reminds me of Bran, right? Because he loved climbing so much, and uh, it's cute because they're very similar, as well as being close in age. They're also very similar a little bit in personality there. And 
there's even kind of this moment like where she thinks about pranking Lamy and it's showing she's coming to associate them as her brothers, right? Her own family here on the road to protect her and look after her as well as she would for them uh, pulling pranks on them. You know, like that's something very much she loves getting involved in mischief with her brothers. She actually does. That's true. She does love mischief. And yes, to brand climbing things, but also some people in Brand's storyline, right? Who are good at other climbing, running across leaves, Mira. Mm, yeah. Though, as you and I pointed out, is that impressive? I run on leaves on the ground all the time. Unsure. I don't run often, so I don't know if I would say that. But there's also something great in these couple of chapters at the front of Clash where we see that Arya is becoming really good at scavenging and gathering and harvesting. Uh, And unfortunately, because of Ari's size, Ari is being kind of put in the kitchen or to kitchen duty throughout these chapters, which becomes a pretty common motif for Arya as she goes to Harrenhal and works in the kitchen, or when she goes to the House of Black and White and has to do kitchen work, or uh, the oysters, cockles, and clams, right? Arya's plot really does revolve around food, which is probably why you love it so much. No, I'm just kidding. I imagine, though, especially in the Winds of Winter, right, as we see food scarcity rise even more Arya may have to experience that but her resourcefulness hopefully can keep her alive and thriving through that right alongside all of this training she's getting sometimes passively sometimes fully from people like Sirio or some of the people in Harrenhal and then a feast for crows yeah and I mean she does this chapter as well right with the rabbit Mm -hmm. also hunting and uh, I like that you've called that out because a lot of Arya's storyline does revolve around death, right? Bringing that gift of death to people. But in order to bring food, you're you're providing. There's also very much this giving of life that's part of her story as well. Yeah, I like that. Life and death. Yeah. Meanwhile, Gendry has become famous in the camp. And everyone is treating him so because they're like, wow, what a badass. We don't even know why the queen wants him, but it he must be a huge badass for it. And he's like, uh, he's supposed to be an armorer. Uh, and Master Mott told him one day that he has to go join the watch. And he would always then go off to polish his great helm. It's rounded, it's curved, it's got bull's horns, but he wouldn't wear it. Lemmy speculated one day that he was the traitor's bastard. With And by that he means the wolf lord. And Arya's like, uh, absolutely not. And in her head thinks, no, that's John. First of all, oh, when boys get wanted by the queen with a warrant for arrest, it's cool. But when girls do it, they're witches. Hmm. Yeah, right. Though actually being a witch is cool too. No, it's absolutely cool. No, I absolutely agree with that. <laughs> but just interesting. Interesting how yeah. society works. And Westeros... Uh, I love this line, right, that Lamy's like, oh, the traitor's bastard. I bet it's the Wolf Lord's son. And in a way, the traitor being Rhaegar against Ares, too? Like, you're very close, Lamy. You're very close. But no, they're, they're wrong bastard. Wrong bastard. It's funny. They both royal bastards for sure, right? Definitely some of those R plus L equals J vibes in there. Yeah. Just or a little nod. A little nod. Yes. Yes. They're close to the god's eye now, and the king's road is absolutely fucking unsafe, so they plan to go around the lake on the western shore. They turn the wagons west, where farmland turns to forest, and the villages become farther and farther apart. I just had a thought right after you said that. Well, I don't know. Like, first of all, I think the show was stupid in how they had 
John and Gendry become fast friends. And then they were like, but women hate each other when they first meet each other. But men obviously are going to become best friends and love each other because they're so uncomplicated and full of no drama. Anyway, anyway, it is interesting, though, that Gendry, Waters, kind of Baratheon, but not, um, comes from the same house, right? Where the blacksmith that John very much respects and has learned a lot from used to serve, and so mm-hmm. I wonder if there's going to be something there, right? In the role that Gendry will play uh, for the Stark family and, well, not for the Starks, but, you know, in general, in the, in the war to come. The I definitely war. think, and it's something we didn't see come to fruition in the show, but I know that, you know, for years, since we've had so many years, everybody has to speculate. People have kind of thought, you know, like, Valyrian Steel obviously is a great mm. defense against the others, Obsidian. And Gendry might be able to figure out a way to craft some of their own or to, you know, he would understand in mining how to perfect the ore and use it as weapons, for example. And so we had a little bit of that in the show with the obsidian weaponry, but I imagine Gendry will be crucial to that for the others in the war against them. Yeah, and I don't think he needs it, but he technically does have Valyrian blood, right? Is it necessarily Targaryen or not? Unsure. That is a speculation as to or is Baratheon being mm-hmm. a Targaryen bastard or not, but it is Valyrian, so. Yeah, that's a good point. It's really a, a drop down. of Gendry it. Watered, waters <laughs> it down. <laughs> uh. So, unfortunately... Earlier, where uh, the farmland becoming forest and villages being farther apart, as as Chloe told us, that means that there is very little food and water. Back in the city, they had loaded up carts, but it's all gone now because that is what happens as you move further away from places and travel. Yorin would send Koss and Kurs, who had been arrested for being poachers, into the woods, as Chloe had mentioned last time, bringing a deer or quails. Exciting. Uh, back to the group. They're actually very tiny. You don't get a lot of meat off of them. Anyways, the younger boys were sent to pick blackberries or apples from the road in the orchards, and one day, Arya even catches a rabbit. And so they stew it with mushrooms and onions. Yeah, it's really sweet. She gets a whole leg because it was her catch, right? So she shares it with Gendry, and even the three prisoners get to have some, which is good because this is like one of their last nice nights before yeah. the horror begins. <laughs> the horror, actually, though. Uh, just coming back once more, like we said last week, to that great bit of, you know, these are men and boys who were arrested for poaching originally, and because they were arrested for poaching, and because King's Landing has become a lazy cesspool of fucking corruption, uh, this is all that was available, right? Like, here you go, here's the dungeon, so here we are on the road, and Yorin is having the men who lost the choice to have, you know, a life because they were poaching, and they were caught poaching, which poaching usually is with, you know, food, generally, with stock, like livestock, killing, you know, animals that aren't rightfully yours, or that might even just be in the woods outside of a land where no one else is. And because, you know, in the words of Egret, you draw that line and say, this is where my house is and my land now, you got arrested. So now he's out there doing it on the road because he has to to survive and he's being asked to please do the thing he was locked up for and lost his actual life for much like stannis does with davos right in uh the coming books having him smuggle even though stannis chopped davos's fingers off for smuggling yeah they're just trying to live and now they have to do it for other criminals 
and like forever because also they're going to get to the wall and they get to go work in a penal colony until they die so or they die before they get there (laughs) Um, anything could happen and yeah i mean like that happens this book right with the smuggling so great line there i don't know there's a lot of baratheon stuff like coming front of mind this that's chapter. interesting I, I guess like that makes perfect sense because there's gendry but whatever hell i mean this was the big baratheon uh win right was out here in the riverlands it was at the trident kind of between the crownlands and the riverlands where it was but this is uh this is the glory space you know for the tollies for house baratheon so gendry's dad who he doesn't know is his dad won the war that's out right. here yeah and now Tywin's that, burning it down war. a legacy yeah I mean, Tywin doesn't care about legacy, he doesn't care about people. He only cares about his legacy, and he did a terrible job keeping it. <laughs> legacy! Legacy. <sighs> it's a, planting a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I was going for Selena, but I appreciate oh! the Hamilton, too. Yeah. That that legacy. Yeah, so it's the more important legacy to me, in my opinion. So as, as uh, Chloe mentioned earlier, right, they Arya share some of it this rabbit leg which probably is also not very big so that's very nice of her Mm-mm. with gendry think about like yeah. Allie's leg it's probably as big as Allie's leg probably my cat smaller yeah, yeah. honestly yeah. probably smaller these cats are i don't know granted there are some big rabbits out there i've seen some photos i'm like why is this rabbit so huge i want a rabbit i think that'll be my next animal someday like a big old rabbit carried around in yeah, my hood. Yeah, there's some big ones. Yeah. I don't understand, but I don't know. yeah. No bagel for that rabbit. <laughs> what the fuck? The prisoners, you you were mentioning how even they get like a little bite. Everyone gets a little t- nibble. They actually thank her for it and Rorge laughs and says, "There's a hunter now. Lumpy-faced, lumpy-head rabbit killer." Hey, say what you want. You don't got to hand it to the guy. He might be a violent fucking crook, but Gotta say, even he's growing fond of Arya here. You can tell by the nicknames. Everybody loves Arya. I like that he remembered all the those two names, too, which is interesting. Um, It's kind of interesting, you know, again, coming back around to the Hound, how Rorge ends up donning the Hound's helm for a bit, for just like a tiny bit there in the storyline. Mm-hmm. And obviously, his storyline intersects with Arya's. And then the next person to wear the Hound's Helm is Lem Lemon Cloak, also someone who crosses paths with Arya. And then, like, obviously, as we all know, and as Chloe's very excited to discuss at one point, Arya does travel with the Hound for a bit. So it's just very interesting how all these people whose lives have touched Arya's all wear this same hat. Hmm. Helm, if you want to be specific. But I like calling it a hat. No, but I love that, because it is like a follow the helm and see where it goes kind of game. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Now it's uh, hopefully over, but we'll find out. Hopefully it'll end. Oh, now it's with Lem. So who knows what's going to happen, George? I will say there's something interesting about the bull's helm being so significant, and Gendry, of course, like... You know, he loves to clean it and take care of it and never wears it because, like, A, it's an identifier, but there's something interesting in him, like, not putting it on, whereas Mm. when Sandor puts on the helm, it's his mask right from the world. It's when the Hound comes out and does some, like, horrible shit because that's war and that's what the Hound is. It's a killer. It's a machine. It's this, like, this persona that's a machine that's there to kill. 
and Gendry doesn't put that helm on easily. He only put, like, in the next chapter, I think he puts it on right when they come back to fight, uh, but he doesn't generally put it on, and it's, like, a very hard choice to put that helm back on. I think that's interesting in comparison to Sandor's helm and how it gets used to, like, do all of these treacherous, horrible things for so many different people. I think that's something uh, we can ponder on more at some point, right? Like how bulls and hounds are interpreted in culture. Like to an extent, they're both animals that are, I think, associated with being domesticated. Mm -hmm. But how how they manifest, like and what we use them for are very different, right? I guess a bull on one hand, considered powerful, dangerous, but kind of a, an animal of labor. You know, use them to, to do farming. And a hound is for hunting or for protection. Yeah, absolutely. And then especially, it's interesting because that's the actual Sandor, right? It's more like that kind of hound. But for them, it's more a hellhound. Like an attack dog is what he's kind of portrayed as, which is interesting that's... because he's the opposite. Yeah, that's the persona he's built for himself. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's what the helm represents. But... Gendry and the helm. There's no... It's kind of a blank slate still. Yeah. They arrive outside of Briarwhite, the south side of the God's Eye, and some field hands surround them in a cornfield, and they're like, give me coin for what you've taken. Uh, hmm. Fair. Very fair. But, you know, generally, I, I don't usually spend a lot of time over at Westeros Org or the Citadel, but there is a really great geography page that I'm going to link for you guys, and I recommend it, that just tells you everything about geography in the Riverlands. And I'm really enjoying this read-through of Arya. In fact, I wish I was reading the Catalan chapters, too, because mm. there's so much rich geography going on in the Riverlands, and I forgot about Briarwhite completely. This is pretty much its only mention. Who knows if it'll come back, but it's just a little way town in between some of the other bigger towns. And... Uh, really cool to look through that geography, and it's weird. This kind of reminds me a little bit of something in the Hunger Games in uh, Catching Fire, where the arena in one of the Hunger Games is shaped like a clock, right? Mm. And the god's eye is similarly, it has that round shape. And Arya and Yorin and everyone, you know, they are going all the way around. They come across a field we'll come to where they have Westerland's enemies, possibly, and they don't know if they're going to be attacked. So they go all the way around to get to where they want to be, right? And they have to literally go out of their way. So now they're being herded by war. Bit mm -hmm. by bit, they're being herded the opposite way that they intended to come, making their trip take twice as long, putting them into like harm's way. And they're being herded by the war in a way. They're all being herded like stock, like livestock, to Harrenhal, right? This is the way that the prisoners all get herded that way. So those that make it, those that survive this, just end up there because of the location on the map, the location on the clock, as it ticks, 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 they're getting moved. They are getting moved, right? And they are being herded, hunted a couple different ways. And, you know, they're going against the flow of it, too. You know, they've got a different way. They have to be herded all the way up north. Whereas everyone else, right, those sheep, because we'll talk mm -hmm. about shepherds one day in this series. Or the other series that is related to the series. Whatever. They're all headed to King's Landing. Rough to go upriver at this time. Literally upriver oh, like lands, I guess. Salmons. Yeah. Salmonses. Swimming against the flow. <laughs> yeah. Yorin gives them a few coppers because they have some very nice scythes on them and mentions that back in the day, the watch was respected and feasted across the kingdoms, not harassed to pay for a wormy apple. 
The field hands answer roughly that it's sweet corn, and better than an old black bird like you deserves. They tell him to get the fuck out of their fields, or they're gonna become scarecrows instead. Uh, back of our day. Uh, so, it does really suck, right, to see how the Night's Watch has been has fallen so out of favor. Especially, like, from what we've seen about the Night's Watch in John's chapters, we see that it's a shadow of its former self in glory. But we also see that a lot of the people who are in the Night's Watch, right, they legitimately care about keeping it going. Maybe some of them are, like, assholes, but, like, a lot of them do care about the longevity and duties of the Night's Watch. And some of them don't, right? Like, we'll see we'll see Jano Slint go there, and he's he just doesn't give a fuck. He's just doing whatever his weird slinty shit. But... <laughs> You know, times are hard now, right? Even the people who... And then, of course, you see people like Chet who are get, trying to get the fuck out. Um, Darian, who crosses Arya's storyline. But, I mean, times are hard right now. And there isn't just, like, an abundance of supplies for all of these people in the Riverlands to just give away their sustenance during this war to the Night's Watch. And, like, I kind of get it because they don't know, like, for them, there is a war. And it is not the one that's up in the north, as everyone's been saying, as Osha's been saying. The war is literally here in their villages. And the Night's Watch isn't protecting them. It's so far removed from their daily lives. They don't understand what the Night's Watch is doing to protect them. They just know that they, the Night's Watch isn't protecting their survival. They are the only ones looking out for their survival right here, right now. Um, and, like, I also can, like, only imagine, you know, that a lot of the, the Night's Watch now or, like, these recruits, it's filled with people like Rorge and Biter. And, like, in the defense of these people who are working these fields or, or whose own, like, sustenance that they're worried about, like... I I understand not wanting to give out your food to people like Rorge and Biter, especially like from what we see about them in Brienne's chapters. They're assholes. Yeah. There's a... Uh, and this isn't obviously the time to discuss whether or not you can rehabilitate Rorge and Biter. I think Brienne did the right thing, right? She did what she had yes. to. Uh, rip nimble dick, but... There is something True. interesting, too, in, like, these guys are protecting this land, guarding the fields, so no one can eat for free, playing cops, basically, right, in the face of the government. And it's so petty that Tywin's just going to burn it all in the next chapter anyways, right? And that the men are oh, yeah, basically coming right. along to plow the fields with fire. And it doesn't matter to them that everyone's starving. Like, all that waste, that's devastating. Mm. Like, you know that you're going to possibly die and you're dying protecting a field when maybe some fucking corn might save a handful of lives for a couple days and it's really not going to do anything for you because it's all going to be burnt tomorrow. Like, that's where I'm like, okay. Like, because the, the irony is they're all the pawns against the system, you know, and they don't realize sure, it yeah. yet is the thing. These guards are like, I'm part of something bigger. You're not. You're going to be tortured at Hall the same as Arya's about to be tortured at Hall with everyone. You're going to be tortured like the other people at Hall. You're not going to eat your sweet corn when they come through and burn the fucking villages and they round everybody up and take you to Hall where Gregor Clegane's going to rule over you. Like, just, you know, it's a bummer. It's a bummer, but they also yeah. don't know, obviously, like, agreed. They don't know. They, I wouldn't let a big raggedy band of men into my house either, maybe, but, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, like... 
the scarcity of the war makes people suspicious towards one another. It makes them mean and it makes them mm-hmm. meager. And this is just a preview of what people will probably be like during the upcoming long night that will last longer than an episode. Um, the Winds of Winter, you know, it's lasted 11 years. Oh, I years thought you now. were going to talk about real life. I was like, yeah. Oh, no. Um, wow. What are you talking about? Wow, Aliana. I thought you were going real deep. I thought you were like, just like in real life. Yeah, I mean, it's just a preview of what it's going to be like in Winds. Wow. Which is kind of like real life, to be fair. The Winds of Winter. Right? Interesting. It's real, right? We are living the winds of winter out every day of our lives. That's why George hasn't put out the book yet. The oh my god. Me, we are the winds of winter. Writing it real time. It's here in the room with us. Oh, I have to say, though, the corn sounds really good right now, right? Like fresh, <laughs> beautiful, harvested corn, because they end up roasting it that night. Delicious. Hot. But Yorin is really pissed, and he's too angry to eat, because Aww. there's this big cloud hanging over him. The next day, Koss races back to the column, and he's like, hey... We're coming up on 20 to 30 men, some hurt and dying, some with spears and shields, but only one horse. The men have a yellow and black spotted tree cat on a mud-brown field as their banner. This is House Myatt, who is sworn to the Westerlands. Very background supporting Lannister House. They've been around in the background, but really not that important. Maybe we'll meet some real people. Yeah, they're not, like, really named often. Uh, I like their little sigil, though, with the spotted tree cat. But yeah. this is where they decide to go around to avoid them adding at least two days to their trip. But it's better than falling upon men who might also want to kill them. As they travel north, more and more fields as they come upon them are guarded by men giving cold looks to them, prepped to attack anyone staying too long in their turf. At their next stop, the wind is blowing the right way, so they decide they'll risk a fire. By dawn, it burns out. But none of them slept very well anyway, and by midday, they arrive to a burned village. Fields desolate, houses blackened, shells. There are burnt, burnt animals, blankets of carrion crows on top of them, all the livestock. <laughs> Smoke, the timber palisade and the holdfast look strong from afar, but not up close. Bodies are impaled on the stakes at the walls. Hands are drawn tight at their faces like they were guarding themselves from the flames licking at them. Ugh, horrible. Horrifying stuff, George. Horrible. Blech. Yeah, George is into that sort of horror stuff and does not sound fun. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <sighs> yeah, imagine. You're in pain from being impaled and then you're being burned. Hmm. Anyway, so some distance off, Yorin pauses the wagons telling Gendry and Arya to guide the wagons. Yorin returns... And he's got a little girl in his arms, just like Sailor Moon in the third season of the original anime. And Merch and Cutjack are carrying an injured woman. And see, this is moreover like, yeah, the watch is dead, the vibes are dead of what the watch does. But this right here, they did what a true person or a true knight or a true human should have done. That they went in after the village to make sure if they could find anyone and help anyone and then if there's anything left that they could use and i like his presence a lot in this chapter even these front chapters yorin's presence is really interesting besides being like angry before this he's constantly doing something in the background he's always calm and the voice of reason he's you know sharpening his knife he's saving children he's helping people carry stuff he's finding solutions for what the team needs to do he's a good boss 
you know like he he's like a good voice of reason and a good leader in the time of this stress and tension on the road he doesn't freak out he doesn't like react impulsively he like stays cool in the face of danger he might be gruff and he might be kind of a prick once in a while and doesn't have like amazing social skills right but like he's i don't know he he's a really good he stands like a very good like support tower for them in this time i've noticed he's always doing something in the background to help which i just think is great that's a that's a great call it, it makes sense why he's the successor to ned right when t- taking care of Arya, because as you said he's saving children he protects both gendry and Arya. but you need someone who has a good head like that who's ready for anything when you're constantly like traversing the entire entirety of westeros right like how do you get all the way from the night's watch and get people from wherever the fuck they are in this enormous ass country all the way back there all the time you need someone who's who's resourceful and quick thinking like that and honestly it's a huge loss for the night's watch losing yorin i think he would have been such an asset as well during like the wars the yeah. wars the, to come and it just just running things there in general but He's he's just like a great protector and is like you said embodiment of what the Night's Watch is supposed to be. He's not just saving like the people or like the men or whatever. You know, he's here protecting little girls and this injured woman. That's what they are. They're the shield and the sword. Yeah, a good guy. A good in dude. the darkness of humanity. In the darkness. <laughs> in the darkness. Rorge and Biter laugh at the woman's injured pleading and Merch tells yeah, them to suck. quite frankly shut the fuck up Yorin has them fix a place for the woman in the wagon Hot Pie and Arya talk about how they're nervous and Hot Pie confesses to her that he's never kicked a boy to death at all knew he just it. sold his mom's pies <laughs> oh, fucking knew it <laughs> Arya eventually decides to ride ahead at a distance sick of hearing the little girl crying and the woman whispering please all over again please please um yeah hot pie it was a facade an act right masculinity is nothing but a charade he just needed to fit in and didn't want to be injured in front of uh other the other men yeah you're in showing instead of like that that kind of masculinity, the positive masculinity, as you were talking about a few few chapters ago. It's real. It exists. It's real. It dies. This book, but it's real. <laughs> uh, uh, all you men out there craving positive masculinity, go get it. You go get go, it, guys. Yeah, go save, boys. Go save a little girl and a woman in the middle of war. That's positive. Ma- no, I'm joking. That that is not how you demonstrate masculinity. <laughs> My God, no, I, I, Eliana out here spreading misinformation and toxic masculinity by accident. Ugh. So, <laughs> girls gone canon. The best place to get a song of ice and fire misinformation or Sailor Moon misinformation too, or real life lesson misinformation. <laughs> Please don't take lessons from us. My fucking Please God. Please do not. Um. Arya thinks of a story old Nan once told her, which seems kind of familiar to me, where a man is imprisoned in a dark castle by evil giants. The man escapes, but he immediately is set upon by the others and eated. Um, Makes me think of a bunch of things, right? In our world, that's some Jack and the Giant Beanstalk kind of behavior. (laughs) But it kind of reminds me of Arya escaping Harrenhal, right? Mm. If you very vaguely have Gregor Clegane being the giant. 
Uh, or the prophecy of the giant being slayed at Winterfell comes to mind here of Littlefinger in a weird twist, especially since Harrenhal. I used to really love the theory, and it's been so long, it was such a great fleshed-out theory that Littlefinger would try to take Sansa to Harrenhal, since technically it's his seat, to do a big wedding and wed her to Harry the Heir, and that's where everything would go down. There would be like a big old blitz and a big battle, because everyone would know very loudly that... He has Sansa Stark, and she's marrying the Eerie, and then a big war, and whatever. It's very flashy, but I used to think it was, like, a really interesting theory. Uh, so it makes me think of that, maybe. I don't know that it actually connects. Um, also makes me think of the Umbers, right? Those giants. Big, uh, big out of the frying pan into the fire vibes. <laughs> yeah. Is pretty much what it is, but I guess cold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or um, I guess is it about, I don't know, it's the story in general, right? Turns out it's not about the Dark Castle and the evil giants and this war. It's about mm. the others, but maybe something else, too. Mm. Who knows? Mm. So Arya knows how the guy in this story must have felt. Arya, just like us, sympathizing with the characters in the story. Uh, the one-armed woman, though, dies at the fall of evening. They dig her grave on a hillside beneath a weeping willow, and Arya can almost hear the whispers of, Please please, please, when the wind blows. Yeah, it's creepy. It's kind of a creepy little motif. and <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we get the woman's whispers like a resounding motif for her. Not unlike Jamie gets his little moon boy for all I know and the thrum of the arrow for Tyrion, but she gets the please, please, please whispers. And it's interesting. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of sound in this chapter. The wolves howling, mm. the whispers on True. the wind. Arya truly is living in a ghost story as it's happening, and she's about to go to Harrenhal, where it gets even ghostier. That's a good point. There's a lot of senses in this chapter, like the sounds, the taste of dead bodies in the water. A lot going on. And now that you've really called this out regarding, you know, the, the please, 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 and the horror of it, I think part of the horror comes from your imagination trying to fill in what is she saying please about as she's mm -hmm. missing this arm, right? And then she's just so, I guess, the term is PTSD or shell-shocked or something, you know? Like, though I guess... And then, like, the term changed, but you know, what was it about? Was she, like, saying please, trying to protect something, asking for mercy from the soldiers not to hurt her, not to hurt someone else, not to take her arm, or, like, whatever? Or is it, like, mercy from from someone else right not necessarily mm -hmm. soldiers anyone and then it also makes you think of like the please please that begging right like then of other people act asking for a different kind of gift of mercy from Arya and bravos yeah i love that that is the horror of it right that we don't know like i imagine it's probably something from begging for mercy or protecting someone when all of this went down but we don't know and it's horrible and it's war Blech. Yeah, there's another death below another tree also, right? Like a uh, last chapter that you kind of came back to and mentioned last week. And coming back to some of that, I didn't really think about it until now, but the weeping willow and this woman's blood, uh, not unlike Lewin, right? When Lewin uh, dies at the weirwood, yeah. Uh, and the, the tree in the last chapter that they buried him under, similar with that oh. as well, right? That... You're burying them so that they're closer to nature, closer to ground. Their blood flows into that 
grass and into everything that the world creates right and it's something that reminds me very much like the children of the forest like are you throwing the acorns on the tree kind of feels like it could be reminiscent of children of the forest in a way of a ritual we would see them do you know when they bury someone um but that maybe not necessarily that the trees are connected but maybe all trees are right because all trees are like life and they are connected to the actual earth I don't know. Interesting. And it brings back like Brand thinking of Leaf and seeing her and thinking of Arya immediately. Hmm. Well, yeah, that is interesting that Leaf reminds him of Arya and all of these things and stature so and behavior. About. Yeah. yeah. Is she not going to get taller? Do we? Not, does he like not realize that theoretically Arya will get taller one day? I mean, he's like seven, so. True. I couldn't think that far ahead when I was seven, so fair, fair. <laughs> I, I don't know that I think that far ahead even now, honestly. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. So there's no fire that night. Supper was a handful of radishes and a cup of dry beans and water from a brook. And again, it tastes funny. And Lamy's like, mm, that's the taste of the bodies rotting upstream. Delicious. Think of all the protein. No, I'm joking. Arya drinks too much water, interestingly, just to fill her stomach with something. And she sleeps and wakes with her bladder bursting in the pitch black. She works to head toward the woods, but is stopped by Hot Pie, who's on the watch and tells her she can't go into the woods due to the danger of wolves that he heard out there, and that Yorin wouldn't like them wandering too far. Arya wastes her chances and then decides to be nice. She's like, for true wolves? I didn't hear them, and pretends to sleep in her blanket again. She waits a little and then sneaks off to the other side of the woods. Hot Pie was right, turns out, but anyways... Drinking too much water right before bed, Arya. Rookie mistake, and I'm a person who frequently makes this mistake all of the time and has to wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And let me just tell you, waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom is no joke. Like, it's your bladder yelling at you. So, like, this girl, if yeah. she's got to go, she's got to fucking go. And that's one thing is, like, we're resilient. If you got to fucking go, you'll figure it out. You'll lie to hot pie, you know? Yeah. You got to go. I yeah. Just, yeah. God. She squats to do her business, and then sees eyes gleaming in the wood. Two, four, eight, twelve, a whole pack of them. One of them came padding out from under the trees. He stared at her and bared his teeth, and all she could think was how stupid she'd been and how Hot Pie would gloat when they found her half-eaten body the next morning. But the wolf turned and raced back into the darkness, and quick as that, the eyes were gone. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. So, uh, honestly amazing that Arya only continues to pee and does not shit herself in that moment instead. And <laughs> that wolf is running away. It's like, ooh, I'm going to go tell this hot ghost to Nymeria. Be like, I saw your human. I saw your girl. I saw your girl. She's just out there peeing. Nymeria probably sent them. Nymeria was like, can you go check on my girl? Nymeria was like, that's my girl. Peeing out there in the woods. That's her. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> so, trembling, Arya returns to camp to Yorin, who is in the wagon, working at his sword. She tells him that she saw the wolves in the wood and that they scared her. He's surprised that, saying that, I thought your kind was fond of wolves. And she's like, uh, guess. She tells him about Nymeria, who was a direwolf, and that she had to scare her off with the rocks or be killed by the queen. I get it's kind of like funny and a joke, like, haha, you like wolves, right? Because your dire wolf symbol, they're not the same uh-huh. thing, first of all. Second of all, does anyone like wolves when they're being stared down by wolves? And third of all, I guess there's like also something to say in there. 
like, you know, the show kind of ubified. We have the good guy Starks and the bad guy Tarks or bad guy Lannisters, whatever. But, you know, the point of the direwolves is they can be not gentle. They can be violent when roused. Uh, wolves also, like, are not domesticated animals, so if a little girl comes and stands in front of a one, she probably has a right to be freaking out. Like you said, incredible she didn't shit herself. So many people don't shit themselves in this book that we should all be, like, praising them, because there are some scary stitches. But makes me wonder, because he says it, like, with a familiarity, like, oh, I thought your kind was fond of wolves. Makes me think he must have had some cute interactions with Benjin in the past at the Watch, and it makes me wonder if Benjin has any affinity with wolves or warging kind of ability that he doesn't know about. I don't know if he would necessarily have like as strong of skin changing as the kids. Like it seems like there was something prompted by mm-hmm. the finding the direwolves that woke it up. But I wouldn't be surprised if what you're saying, like maybe he does have, you know, a way with them because. Why is he missing? What's so special about Benjen? Something's happening. Also, during the rebellion, right, that he's like, goes in immediately. Obviously, I think he knew about Rhaegar and Lyanna when it was going mm-hmm. on. Uh, and, and maybe he knows more about some of the the other things surrounding that mystery as well. But obviously, he felt so fucking guilty after all of it that he like threw himself at the watch, which makes me wonder why he felt that guilty in the whole RLJ equation like where is the guilt 100% stemming from did you know something you didn't tell anyone which I think is probably possible so you were a prepubescent kid yeah don't be so hard on yourself how could you tell your 14 year old sister don't run away with that man I mean like you can tell her that but she's a 14 year old girl who unfortunately is (laughs) I guess being groomed by this man but also is gonna do whatever the fuck she wants because she's a teenage girl and you only had so much power as a child. <laughs> exactly. It's just guilt. It's fucking survivor's guilt. It's horrible. Yeah, um, uh, but true. They did all die. And I do think, to that extent, like you're saying, I think they all have the gene. It's just it's awakened in the Stark kids, you know? So uh, I think they all, like, I think most of the Starks probably have the gene, at least. I think, like, so George has mentioned it as being, like, this miraculous thing. It's, like, not science with genes, so right. I don't know. No, but I mean, I, I look at it more yeah. as a genome, like that, like the Starks all probably have magic in their bloodline, that there's a possibility, but it's awakened, or the gene is like activated. Like yeah. someone flipped a switch, and the Stark kids have it because that direwolf was in the world. I don't know. Uh, also, I love that she knows that this wolf she's looking at is A, not Nymeria, because she would know, and B, also that she knows it's a boy wolf, which I'm thinking she's probably knowing that from her connection to Nymeria, that she somehow oh, is recognizing these wolves and who they are, each of them. Like, how would you fucking know from looking at this wolf in the dark that it's a boy wolf? Yeah, especially, like you said, in the dark, I'd be like, I don't I don't fucking know this wolf sex. It's And I wonder it's if that scary. wolf knows who, because of that connection, like, I think the wolf knows who she is because he also didn't eat her. Like, why did that wolf just not eat her? And it just was like, all right, you're good. And to your point, I think it's because the wolf knows Nymeria and knows there's some sort of connection between them. He knows that the hot goss is going to be even tastier. Wait till I tell the human. boss. <laughs> yeah. Wait till she gets a load of this. The drama. So tasty. Ugh. We have an exchange with Yorin and Arya. I bet if she'd been in the city, she wouldn't have let them cut off father's head. Orphan boys got no fathers. Or did you forget that? Sour Leaf had turned his sp- 
bit red, so it looked like his mouth was bleeding. Yorin <laughs> uh, uh, tells Arya that we only need to fear the wolves who wear manskin. Again, coming back to skin changing like you were talking about, like I, I feel like it's interesting because there's a double entendre there. He's a man of the Night's Watch, so it definitely could be about skin changers to some extent, right? I don't think he's talking about that in that moment, north of the wall, but that the Night's Watch had been fighting, you know, amongst those free folk. But also, I mean, Arya is a skin changer, but Euron's definitely talking about, you know, people with wolfish spirits, right? Those kinds of people who who just devour other people, I think, on a spiritual level is what he's talking about. It really hammers home why that book would have once upon a time been called A Time for Wolves. Yeah, it could be about the Starks, but it definitely feels like it's about the wars that are going on, right? And how people mm. are are just kind of ravaging each other. And to your point, yeah, beware men in wolves' clothing or men in wolf skin. You know, that's a yeah. very common, you know, people that come very pliant and you know subtle like a lamb and then truly they are the wolf like i could see that now yeah hmm. yeah more like the hungry wolf the un. oh my god Arya says that she wishes she was home and yorin Aww. says maybe you would have been safer in the city where i found you she says that she doesn't care she just wants to go home Arya, you wouldn't have been safer at home. i've read the 1993 letter <laughs> you would have been forced to flee anyway <laughs> so we close this chapter with Been bringing men to the wall for close on 30 years. Froth shone on Yorin's lips like bubbles of blood. All that time, I only lost three. Old man died of a fever. City boy got a snake bit, taken a shit. And one fool tried to kill me in my sleep. Got a red smile for his trouble. He drew the dirk across his throat to show her. Three and thirty years. He spat out the old sour leaf. A ship now. Might have been wiser. No chance of finding more men on the way, but still. Clever man, he'd go by ship, but me? Thirty years I've been taking this king's road. He sheathed his jerk. Go to sleep, boy. Hear me? She did try. Yet, as she lay under her thin blanket, she could hear the wolves howling. And another sound, fainter. No more than a whisper on the wind that might have been screams. Ugh. Yeah, night is dark and full of terrors indeed. Yeah. Devastating the entire end of that species. Like, three and thirty years. I've only ever lost three in thirty years I've been making this trip. Up and down, up and down. He's only ever lost three men total, and now he's about to lose many, him. including himself. Oh. Wow, shit, never mind. Not and, good for him. Yeah, bad for him. And, and Bad for him. Bummer for all, really, on this trip. Truly. Truly a bummer for all. And... Uh, that line, bubbles of blood frothing, you know, at his mouth. They're frothing like an omen, a warning at his Ooh. lips. I mean, he's already dead. I get it, George. The foreshadowing is there. Very sad, actually, that he's already dead. I don't know. I am sad about Papa Yorin. He's he's a good guy. Like, as you pointed out in this chapter, he does all these great things, but it's hard to go up against those terrors in the night, right? Like, the night is dark and full of terrors all these nights. Not 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 the time of day, I mean, you know, not when the sky is dark, but like all these people and that that last line about no more than a whisper on the wind that might have been screams comes back to what you were saying earlier, right? About how that please, please, please becomes a motif, right? It's both a whisper and a scream of people 
reacting to what's happening in the this war and all those horrors. It's burning after him. It's coming for him. Yeah, just because Papa Yorin tried to protect some kids, give him. And maybe it's not like a real chance, but a, another life, I guess. But it's a short, not so sweet chapter, really, though, about the things that war takes from people and how it transforms them into those wolves, those broken men, and you know the kind of people like Yorin who keep humanity and hope alive in the middle of it trying to save little babies and that's it right like he really that's he's trying so hard to save people and that's what does them in because gendry and Arya, he's not willing to give up gendry and unfortunately the capital has more money better swords better armor more men better horses faster horses more men they can fucking enslave into their lifestyle really i mean that too They've seduced them into the luxury and the glint of the, the shining armor, and the dark side of that armor is the fucking slaying and torturing they do across the Riverlands. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I'm thoroughly fucking depressed. <laughs> uh, next week, we're going to return with our good friend Ara from Direwolf yeah. City. I eat zebra on YouTube. Check her out. Watch some of her videos and some of Direwolf City's stuff. We're going to have a round to talk about Yorin's last chapter and all of the devastating shit to come. And that'll be sad, but at least, you know, I think, yes, depressing chapters, but what's not so depressing is having Ara there with us. It'll be I'm light, excited. you know, we'll keep it light it, since we have a friend. It might not be, but it'll be fun. But we will. Ara what's great is we will. Oh, we always sure. keep it yeah. light, you know, I mean, like, do, even when someone's yeah, dying, you'll be like, haha, that's so sad that they're fucked up and dying, they're, their whole family's dead, lol. Anyway. We really do take people on an emotional roller coaster, <laughs> huh, in these chapters, now that I think about it. Like, no, but truly, in general, we do go, like, yeah, that was really messed up, and then we're, like, sad and crying, and then, like, five minutes later, we're like, ah. <laughs> yeah, two moments later, I'm like, anyway, blaze it. Two moments later, we're like, but what about Ned's thighs? <laughs> what about Ned's thighs? What about Ned's thighs? I am going to dream about those dad thighs for the okay. next couple of minutes, you know, everyone. But uh, thanks for listening. You should go take a look for us on social media, which Eliana's going to tell you where that is before our patrons tell you a little bit more about the perks of being a patron. You can check out our social media where Chloe posts fantastic memes like Kristen Cole Mall Cop on our Twitter at twitter.com slash girlsgonecanon, that's C-A-N-O-N, or on Blue Sky. Woo! Yeah, Blue Sky. You can also send us emails and any of your thoughts or animals. Again, we are open to animal pics at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. And now a word from our sponsors. Yes, that's right. We're sponsored by our fucking cool-ass patrons. Dude, the coolest fuckers I know. So here's a quick word from them while I think about Ned Stark's thighs some more. Oh. You can catch Girls Gone Canon on any of the following streamers. On Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Audible, and Amazon podcasts. You can also join us on Patreon, where if you join the Thunder tier above, you have access to a Discord and monthly happy hours and things like that. And by joining the Discord, you get access to a bunch of great channels, including but not limited to memes and shit posting channel, fashion hour, 
There are multiple channels for historic materials, a song of ice and fire. There's a pets channel, which I think is probably the most important channel of all. Respectful thirsting, because there's a channel for that. Come by, join the community. It's a lot of fun and you won't regret it. Thanks so much again for listening. We'll be back next week with Ara. As always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I've been another one of your hosts, Eliana. We'll be back next week, thinking about them with eyes. Like a whisper or a scream. A whisper to a scream was what I was thinking. Oh, like oh. the song, Whisper to a Scream. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Goodbye. Goodbye.